Welcome into Wild Card Wednesdays. I'm Theo Dorsey, and I am joined today by Kari Thompson, obviously, out of Hampton, Virginia. What's up, Kari? What's going on, Theo? How's life? Life uh, life is treating me well so far, man. I'm, I'm glad we're moving into the summer months. It feels good to be moving out of that cold weather, so I'm, I'm happy. How about you? Your boy's about to graduate college in two weeks, man. Just like that last final. No Living compl- well. No complaints there. And the, and the little snickering, the giggle you just heard uh, was our very special guest. So Shana Calandro actually is not joining us this week. She's taking a bye week. She'll be with us next time in her place, or not even in her place because nobody can feel Shana's shoes, but as our special guest this week is Alex Weaver out of South Carolina. And the reason why she's on here for sure is because of one very special guy that got drafted. But before we get into that, Alex, how's it going out there in uh, Queen City or Bull City or whatever you call it? I'm in the Queen City right now, Theo. You keep calling it the Bull City, and I'm just so insulted. Well, well all right, before we start this, give me the, the nicknames for all of the North Carolina cities, because I said South Carolina as well. Give me the nicknames so we'll get it right. All right, so Charlotte is the Queen City. Mm-hmm. That's the name. And then Durham is the Bull City. Okay. And Greenville, South Carolina is just called the Green City, so they got really original with that one. <laughs> That's boring. Yeah. Those are the only three you need to know. All the other ones don't what, matter. What about Rally? I mean, it's the capital, but that's can't even say it right. It's Raleigh, not oh Rally. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like <a> Texas <laughs> from Texas vibes. <laughs> Whatever. Well, <laughs> we're not here to talk about pronunciation of cities in North Carolina. What we are here to talk about is the NFL draft. We have three very special topics, and since you're the special guest, Alex, I'll tell you the three topics, and you let me know which one you want to start on. I have a hunch on which one you're going to pick. But one topic is we want to talk about the fact that the draft was in Philadelphia, and they did it outside, and it was just a ruckus with all of the fans out there and a great time. The other one we're going to touch on is Deshaun Watson being drafted by the Texans. They traded up to the 12th pick to pick a guy that they're hoping is the future of their franchise. And the third topic that we're going to touch on today centers around Takaris McKinley and uh, Clay Travis's comments about his grandmother. He made some pretty, uh, I would say, disrespectful comments on Twitter about him having a picture of his grandma on the draft day. I don't know if you saw that, the guy that the Falcons drafted. Oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, so there was some backlash and there was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a spark of a feud there. but So which one do you want to start off talking with uh, today? Well, since I thought that he should have been the number one quarterback in the draft, um, I'm going to have to pick him as my number one draft pick, and I'm going to have to go with Deshaun. Deshaun. Deshaun Watson it is. Carl, are you cool with that? I'm cool with it, man. Let's talk to Deshaun Watson. Well, to, to set it up, I'll set it up this way, and then I'll let you get the first bite at it, Alex. Uh, so Deshaun Watson, uh, even before the draft, he said if – if um, anyone, especially uh, Mitch Trubisky, gets picked before him, he would take it as you know as an insult, a slap in the face. Well, Mitch gets picked up at number two by the Bears. They trade up for him. The t- the Chiefs trade up to number ten, and then the Texans trade up to number twelve to pick Deshaun Watson out of Clemson, the national champion, the two-time Heisman finalist, thirty-two and three record at Clemson. Alex, for all of the Houston fans who are excited about Deshaun Watson coming into uh to H-Town, to Drip City, to Splash Town. You know, I'll give you all the nicknames one time. Tell me why they should really be excited about who they're getting. I mean, his on-field stats speak for themselves, and I don't have to sit here and tell everybody, you know, how great he is on the field and how he can lead his team and 
you know, with a minute and two seconds left, he wins a national championship against a dominating Alabama. But the type of guy that he is off the field and what Deshaun Watson represents just as a person and where he's come from and how he's grown up. Um, I definitely think that he, you know, Houston's been looking for a long time for kind of a franchise quarterback and a franchise, of, you know, franchise. and I think they couldn't have picked a better guy than, you know, number four. So they should be really excited to have him and the future of the Texans. Definitely. And and part of this is just to give people why you would have some some insight that matters. You went to school with Watson. You graduated Clemson, what, 2016? 2016. That's right. Yep. I um, worked in the football office. I was a recruiting assistant and I um, actually gave Deshaun his first tour. So I feel like he is kind of like a little brother to me. Um, and I am very lucky to have known him on a personal level and not just, you know, as a quarterback. Right, that's big. And I, I know for Houston, um, they haven't – this is another thing for the Texans. If he does win the starting spot, he will be the first African-American starting black quarterback for, for the Houston uh, Texans. Um, yep. The first national championship winning quarterback to start for the Houston Texans. And um, and it, I know the whole city is excited. People have been – ever since the draft have been calling me. Kari, what do you think about the whole Deshaun Watson craze? Do you think it's, it's worthwhile? Oh, yeah. I think that this is a chance for Houston to finally have a quarterback who can actually take them somewhere. You know, we're done with the Matt Schaubs of the world. <laughs> you know, no more of those. I think Deshaun Watson is a higher caliber guy. I'll agree with Alex and say that I think that Deshaun Watson is going to be the best quarterback to come out of this draft class. When you look at his resume versus that of a Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky has – one third-team All-ACC appearance. That's pretty much his resume. <laughs> and a co- like one decent season at North Carolina where he did throw 30 touchdowns and six picks and for over 3,000 yards. But look at Watson. He's a John United's Golden Arm winner, two-time Davey O'Brien Award winning, two-time Manning Award winner, mm. ACC Player of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year, God. like national champion. And I don't think that he's just a product of the Clemson system. I really think that he's going to be a solid quarterback in this league. Wow. I mean, Kari, do you bleed orange? I thought Alex was the biggest Deshaun Watson fan, but. Look at the resume side by side. I'm a resume guy, man. I can't just go off of potential. I mean, if you look at them, really, they're about the same size. They're both 6'2 and just over 220 pounds. Watson has slightly bigger hands. Watson's slightly faster. Alex, you, um, you've, you've, known, you've known Watson you said you gave him, you gave his first tour. Can you tell us, I mean, what, what's your favorite story that you have maybe um, experiencing that the Clemson uh, lifestyle as he kind of blew up onto the national scene? Um, he was one of those guys, just a little bit of his background. Him, He actually grew up when he was younger, um, I mean, in one of the worst parts of Gainesville, Georgia. Uh, gangs all around him. He had a cousin that got shot. Um due to gang activity and it was just one of those things where you know he could either go two ways in life and he he could you know really succeed and kind of use you know his football talents and the type of person that you know he was or you know he could go down the path that was you know sometimes easier in Gainesville and he um, actually was raised by single ended up being diagnosed with tongue cancer um, spread to her liver and parts of um, her lungs. She had chemo radiation, did the whole shebang while she was doing that. um, They actually got entered into a habitat for humanity drawing. They want a habitat for humanity house moved out of the worst part of Gainesville 
Um, he, you know, worked four jobs while he was in high school. He was quarterback in high school, started his freshman year, um, led the Gainesville Red Elephants to state <laughs> championships. And I mean, he just really kind of became like the man of the house and stepped up to the plate. But he, um, Sean, is that he never forgets a name. And he always, you know, around campus, I mean, he is the Clemson celebrity around there. So he, you know, always people will come up walking to class or on the bus or whatever the situation may be and ask, you know, hey, Deshaun, can we take a picture? Can we take a selfie with you? Want to be on my Snapchat? And he always, the first thing that he always asks him, he's like, oh, yeah, well, what's your name? I mean, he always, I don't, he's just the best type of guy to be around. And it's not, I mean, it's not just a matter of, oh, yeah, he's a quarterback and he's good. But, I mean, he was genuinely such a good person. So that's my that's my favorite Deshaun story is that he his first response to everybody is, what's your name? Mm. And, you know, one guy who won't have to ask what his name is is uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who he's joining out there. How, how big do you think that'll be, the Clemson connection? Well, you know, Houston is now being called the Tigers. We have, you know, the mo- we're tied for the most ever from one school. So oh, wow. the only other school as a speak is Virginia Tech. So, you know, now we're competing with Virginia Tech to get one more on the Houston roster possibly next year. But <laughs> I'm really excited about Nuke and Deshaun, and I think that'll be a great fit. And, you know, he has Carlos Watkins, who's defense, and then DJ Reader, who's defensive tackle that, you know, will lead the defense. And hopefully, you know, that'll be just a good connection and kind of give him some people, you know, that have been on that team for a few years and, can show him and, you know, kind of get him acclimated to Houston. So I'm excited for the Clemson Tigers that are in, that are in the H, the H town. The H? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll pick up a little flavor out there. I, I noticed his swag needed a little help. You said the brother's swagger needs help, man. It just needs a little flavor, That's what man. You said. It needs a little flavor. Can we say that? A little H town flavor? A little spill. A little H sprinkle. <laughs> a little sprinkle of that spill, man. We'll see. We'll see what he got. But before we leave the, the clinic, because I want to wrap on this. I don't want to give Deshaun too much shine. I want to wait till he wins a couple games. Before we wrap on this, I did want to say, um, so I know, like what you said, people always love him, and it seems like that's what the Texans did. They brought him in um, while players were in camp. He met with some of the guys and the team, and, and Bill O'Brien and, and Rick Smith, the GM, really liked the way he connected with guys. So, that kind of speaks to that same character probably. But, Alex, I do want to say this. I doubted you and Deshaun. From the day I met you and you posted your little Clemson Tiger rag on your on your office workspace thing, I doubted you. And, and he's done nothing but prove me wrong. So, I don't know. I think I need to jump on the bandwagon. I think it's that time. Hey, my favorite thing that Deshaun has ever tweeted is, you know, we're just showing how it's done. So, to you and to everybody else that's watching the Houston Texans and the NFL and, you know, thinking that he might be a blow or a bust, we'll just show them how it's done. Power to him. Power to him. Well, you know, one city that did show us all how it was done was the city of Philadelphia. Did I say that right? It's Philadelphia. Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia. Pronounce it correctly. That's, <laughs> look, that's my new city. Look, We're man. Moving to next year. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Big ups to Kari. Uh, tell them about your, your your Philadelphia announcement. Yeah, so I'm going to Villanova next year to study law, sports law specifically at the Morad Center for Sports Law. So I'm going to be in Philadelphia starting August. West Philadelphia? West of <laughs> Philadelphia, for sure. Out in the burbs. I, I don't know how I'm going to adjust to suburban life, man. Hey, man. <laughs> you, 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 Good you. basketball games to go to. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I'm mad that they have the draft one year before I got out there. That's what I was about to say. 
the draft. Year right before, man. And and I heard it was incredible. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, Theo, they had it outside. That's like a novel concept for the NFL draft. Yeah, so the first time ever the NFL draft is outside, uh, they set a record. The NFL said in a statement that nearly 100,000 fans showed up, which is more than Philadelphia Eagles games, um, for round one. setting <laughs> Almost twice, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even, even when they pack out the stadium, which is rarely. But, but let me tell you why. Why? One is outside. Two, it was free. Three, they had interactive stuff. You know, like where you can walk up and play games and get autographs and just see famous people walking around. It was like the ultimate fan event. It was big time, man. They brought the energy. I just remember watching it, and I I don't know if I've ever said this. No offense to Philadelphia, but I don't know (laughs) if I've ever seen something about Philadelphia and been like, man, I've got to get to Philly. Watching that draft, draft, I wanted to be in Philadelphia. It was awesome. So you're right. Kudos to them. They deserve it. It was really dope. And, and another thing about it, the NFL picked up the tab on $20 million worth of, of what the city would have had to spend on it. So not only did they allow this, but they supported it through and through. And this was a, can we, we I'll call this transcendent. I'm hoping that for the, when applicable um, in the future for the draft, they can do things like this some more because it gives fans that don't have the opportunity to enjoy events like this ever um that opportunity i mean they, going to the nfl draft i would have never assumed to be something i could have been able to do but if it comes to a city near me and it's outside and it's free i might be there exactly you get that energy from the people that you don't get when you have it closed up inside radio city music hall for rich people you have something free you have it outside you get real philly fans to come out and yell and cheer and boo drew peterson yeah. you know like that's just the vibe. But that was an iconic moment, man. Uh, when he when he screamed out the Cowboys second round pick, man, you could feel the energy. And he was like a WWE wrestler, man. He was playing the heel. Yeah. You know, he could tell that he was totally playing to the crowd. And he yelled out, the five-time <laughs> Super Bowl champions, Dallas Cowboy, on behalf of owner Jerry Jones and everybody. Yeah. So it was he was wild. It was pretty lit. He was I think wild. one of my favorite shots too is like right when they were introducing the top, you know, the top prospects. And they like panned out behind them, and you could see, you know, all of the massive crowd that had gathered, and the fountain in the background. And oh man, it was just—I mean, I'm like you, Theo. If if you would have given me that in my city, and it was free, and I got to just walk around and hang out and watch the draft, I would have hung out there for days. I would have been there around one, two, three, seven. If you want to do the compensatory <laughs> draft, let's get it. Like. <laughs> That's uh that's real. But I do want to ask, where did you guys actually watch the draft? I think it's always interesting um, where people kind of intake it or consume it. Some people on the couch. A lot of people go to the bars. Um, where'd you where'd you see it at, Alex? Um, I started watching it with friends just at a bar in Charlotte. And then I, just being the diehard Clemson alum that I am, got a little frustrated after the second pick. So I took my happy little butt home and I sat on the couch and watched the rest of the first <laughs> You are something else, man. What about, what about you, Kari? I watched the draft at work and I actually ended up watching way more of it than I wanted to because, you know, I work the night shift and I get off at 1030. And so that was right when the draft was first getting rolling. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it with my editor, who's a diehard Saints fan. And the Saints had just made their pick. They got that cornerback from, oh, yeah, uh, Ohio, from Ohio State. State. Yeah. 
they got they picked up their corner. Mark so he's Sean like, Evans. okay, we got one in the bag. We got one really solid player. Then the Saints had the the, the thirty second pick, I think, from the uh, from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So we were gonna watch and see what the Saints pick was gonna be. And he was praying, praying for uh, what's his name from Alabama, Cam. Ruben Foster. Oh, Ruben, he was praying yeah. for Ruben Foster to fall. And Ruben Foster, we wa- we're sitting here watching it pick by pick, and he's like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Every team that needed to pass on him, even Pittsburgh passed on him, and I thought he was a Pittsburgh type of guy. And we get down to the pick before the Saints and the 49ers mm. trade up and snatch Ruben Foster from him, and he was crushed, man. Dog, John Lynch, is he already GM of the year? Like, in his first 40 days, like – we know what Donald Trump has done in his first 100 days. What John Lynch has done in his first 40 is even more impressive. Like, man, John Lynch is eating out there, man. It's crazy. I'm with John Lynch. I'm I'm, I'm uh, jumping on the John Lynch bandwagon. I don't know what's going to happen with the 49ers when they actually get on the field, but the picks he made, like the trades he made in that draft and the picks they made were great. Uh, they got the Solomon kid from Stanford. They traded back one pick. from They they robbed the, 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 the Chicago Bears. And um, me myself, I actually watched the draft in a in a bar in Atlanta with Ashley and her dad. And oh, for for reference, Ashley's my girlfriend, and her dad is actually from the South Side of Chicago. He's a huge Chicago Bears fan, and he had to sit in that bar and act like he was happy that his his team traded away <laughs> all of their draft to get Mitch Trubisky. He he had to defend himself because there's so many Falcons fans out there. Uh, Getting on them, but it was it was pretty fun out there as well. Man, well, the 49ers can do it. Did last season, so on the John Lynch bandwagon too. I think he hopefully will make it some needed improvements. He already been finessing, so I'm I'm, I'm and with he him. just made that jump, man. Like not too long ago, I remember when you retired from the Patriots, he jumped in at like CBS doing broadcasting, and then like all of a sudden, the next thing I hear about John Lynch is that he's GM of the 49ers. Yeah, it was a pretty weird development for me. And I don't know if this was something that was like something that was going on behind closed doors or did we know about this before the lead up. I just remember waking up one morning, turning on ESPN, and it was just like John Lynch, five-year deal. I'm like, since when? Like, when is he a GM guy? Like, Well, you got to remember, he's a smart guy, and he also has the Northern California connections because he went to Stanford. So you know how people trust those Stanford degrees. Yeah, yeah. But I don't trust anybody yeah. that's that been banging their head around in the NFL that long. How smart, you know, that's them concussions get real, man. And tell that to John Elway. <laughs> I hope the Stanford connection comes through. I'm a Panthers fan, so I'm Woo. counting on my Woo, Christian McCaffrey. Can we talk about him for a second? Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about him. <laughs> Let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. Because I don't I don't know. I just think we're gonna be the, the number one offense in the league again. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm pushing it. Um, but we got Curtis Samuel in the second round, a good receiver, and a nice slot guy. Yep. We got McCaffrey, who is d- dynamic, who I'll be the one to say it. If he was black, we wouldn't, people wouldn't have these worries about him being a bust. I'll say it. I'll jump out there. People are worried about the whole white running back thing, but I'm not worried because he's going to be lined up in that backfield. He'll split up to the slot. He'll get ca- – like, we're going we gonna to treat him like uh, – who, who's a good guy to compare him to? Like what we wanted Reggie Bush to be in the NFL. I agree with that. Uh, that's lofty, man. Reggie Bush actually turned out to be pretty good. 
He didn't though. He he didn't pan out until later. And then when he did, he had like a really really short span that actually went well. I, Christian McCaffrey's career should be. I I would hope it'll be better than Reggie Bush's NFL career. See, I'm not gonna go there with the whole race thing. I'm gonna go there with the whole he's a Stanford player thing. Do we trust players from Stanford? Other yeah. than Andrew Luck. I was about to say. Who, John Elway? And even Andrew Luck. Even <laughs> Andrew Luck, who I think is massively overrated. Oh, God. Like, come on. Yes, we trust. trust in a Stanford I mean, I, guy as a top eight pick. I got to do something because the, pan- I, the Panthers need – we're wearing Cam down. You know, I love me some J-Stew, and I, we just need some kind of run game. So I'm hoping, regardless of what color he is, I'm hoping <laughs> that white boy just runs the over <laughs> Regardless That's of real. color, only color we care about in Panther Nation is black and teal. What, what do we call it? Is it teal or baby blue? I don't, I don't teal. It's black and blue. Black, black and blue. Black and blue. That's yeah. all we care about. Y'all definitely about. don't care about silver because you won't be seeing a Super Bowl anytime soon. Ah, shut up. Patriots fans be like, <laughs> this is my thing though. Uh, the, with the Panthers, um, somebody, somebody within the Panthers. Oh, because is it the the Stanford? Uh, running backs coach on the Panthers staff now. Yeah, wide receiver coach. Wide yep. receiver coach. He compa- He said that Christian McCaffrey uh, has some Luke Keekley in him, and I like that. When he's he's talking about him being like a Jim Rat and, and being one of those guys that just just effort, toughness, grit. You know all the things that they say about scrappy white guys. He said that that's what McCaffrey has, and I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. I've heard the hype before, man. Gets in the gym. Yeah. He had one of the best workouts ever. <laughs> I've seen the movie, man. Well, you're about to see the sequel, and the sequel this time is going to be better than the, the prequel. I hope we have a Luke Keekley on offense. We're coming for the Patriots. We're, we're coming. We're gunning. We're gunning. We're coming for the Patriots. We need one more hope of faith other than Cam Newton. Hey, it's one thing to say. It's another <laughs> thing to do. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, whatever. One thing I didn't believe when I saw was as I mentioned earlier in the in the beginning, the reaction from Clay Travis on Twitter to Takars McKinley and his grandmother. Um, so so the full backstory: Takars McKinley, who uh, was parentless, was raised by his grandmother. His his father, I believe, was killed. His mother left him, raised by his grandmother. On his grandmother's dying bed, he told his grandmother, "I'm gonna go D1. I'm gonna get drafted. You know, I'm gonna do this for you." And that was moments before his grandmother died. Obviously, his grandmother was one of the most inspirational uh, people in his life, somebody that really carried him out of things. He said he wouldn't be in this position today without her. He ends up getting drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons after going to UCLA. And to the draft, he brings his grandmother a portrait. And it was a picture that was framed, and it wasn't like a 10 by 8. It might have been like a 17 by 22. I don't know. It was huge. It was a big picture, but she was a, a monumental person in his life. So he walks up there with the picture, and, you know, he goes through all the motions and everything. Everything's going well. He does drop a – what cuss word did he say on, on his, in his interview? He said uh, a couple things that I can't say. <laughs> We're not going to repeat the cuss words because that's not what is important. He dropped the F-bomb, though. He, he did. He, he said some cuss words. He was an excited young man who did not believe he would be able to make it to that stage, who came from – I don't want to say nothing, but he came from some really, really rough upbringing upbringing. So he wanted to honor his grandmother, and that was the way he chose to do it. Clay Travis, a guy who has been renowned for, I would more say notorious, for just mm-hmm. being a butthead. 
he got on Twitter and started criticizing. And he pretty much, you know, he makes jokes. He says, oh, did he have to check his, his mother, his grandmother uh, at the airport? He said things about, like, did he save a seat for his grandmother? He kind of, he was not ridiculing him, but teasing him almost for bringing the portrait. Okay, one of them says, also, where was that picture taken? It was disrespectful. And then Takaris, uh, being taking a higher road, kind of re- retweets it, reposts it, and says... You know, this shows you that the devil is still alive. He tries to take the higher road. And then Clay Travis also responds back and says, I love grandmothers more than you sign the devil. So I hate to give that guy airtime because that's what he did it for to be to be a jackass almost. But what did you guys think of uh, Clay Travis's move there? I thought it was just way too much to ridicule somebody, regardless of what you feel about it or I mean, I don't know why it affected Clay or why he felt like he had the right to say something. Um, I, it just, I mean, I thought obviously he could have done without a couple of the words that he said during his interview, but <laughs> I liked his passion. <laughs> I liked, <laughs> I liked that, you know, he has a drive and something is motivating him. I think the Falcons can kind of rest assured that he's going to be a very vocal guy. Um, and he is going to be, very motivated for the game of football. So I think that Clay just should have, you know, trigger fingers. So just there's a time when you just need to shut your mouth sometimes, and that might have been it. But that's the exact thing, though. This is very on-brand for Clay Travis. He needs to – he draws attention by creating controversy and saying outlandish things. Because, to be honest, if I'm reading the internet for sports, I'm not going to outkick the coverage. I'm going to ESPN. I'm going to Yahoo. So I'm not reading this stuff. So he needs to draw attention some way. And this is how he chooses to draw attention. And it's it's really disappointing. Very true. I mean, he's 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 been known to do things like this. We had the DeMarcus Cousins incident where he tweeted and said DeMarcus Cousins will for sure be uh, arrested within the next five years, which didn't happen. Um, He's like you said, it's on brand for him. Fox Sports. uh he's a what is his what is his job over there you said he does outkick the coverage yeah he runs outkick the coverage um which is a blog but you know what he's he's a former lawyer you would think he would know a little bit about ethics the guy went to vanderbilt law school which is one of the top law schools in the country actually practiced for a while you think he would know something about ethics and my thing is you're crapping on a guy who clearly loves his grandma brought a picture of his grandma up on stage with them in the nfl draft and you get into his point his point in his column um, from May 1st, which is yesterday, was his title was, I love grandmas more than you. So he's trying to run, one up this guy and he's sticking to his gun saying that his point is that not that, you know, he's making fun of the grandma. He's making fun of Tack for being a quote unquote idiot. And I'm like, how are you an idiot for bringing a picture of your grandma up on stage with you? Like out of all the things that you could have done, that could get you labeled an idiot. That's not one of them in my book. Showing, showing, uh, showing love to a sweet old lady, man. A sweet old dead lady at that. I and I mean, Kurt, you attack like you can't attack Nana. You cannot attack Nana. You mm-hmm. just that's right. Those topics that you just don't go to. So I think we should have just left Nana off the table. That's off limits, though. Agreed. Maybe talk about maybe talk about the language or you know. Maybe shouldn't have said that, but you just you can't go after Nana. That's just unforsaken in my book. And also, and he made it personal. 
He did. Like he made it personal. Like it wasn't just about Nana. It was about the fact that he said, "Oh, I'm 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 coming at you because you didn't have any friends to tell you how stupid you would look." And I'm like, "Bro, like, like what's what's good with you? Like, yo, like you are like a pro sports writer. Man, you're supposed to have stuff going on in your life. Why? Why are you attacking this kid?" All I know is I'm a big proponent of don't say something on the internet that you wouldn't say to that person's face. And I'm not 100% sure, but I'm about 99.7 that Clay Travis wouldn't say that to Tax face, especially after seeing Tax reaction to just getting drafted. He's a pretty passionate dude. If you can't say it in the streets, don't say it in your tweets. That's right. I I would not go up against Tack and his picture of his Nana in a dark alley. I'm going to tell you that. So (laughs) in a bright alley, I wouldn't do that. I I wouldn't have did it at the NFL draft. Hide behind his computer, but I. I... Man, (laughs) it gets real. It gets real. But but all in all, I mean, Car, how'd you like the Patriots draft? Uh, before we wrap everything up, because we obviously me. And Alex are big fans of our Carolina Panthers and what they did. I think the uh, I think the Patriots got good value as they always do because to be honest, the Patriots really with their draft picks brought in Coney Ealy, Brandon Cooks, and a host of other players. Now, in, because you know they trade all those draft picks for players. Now, for the four players they did select, which is the smallest Patriot draft class of all time, I thought they. Uh, Good value in the in the third round. They grabbed a pass rusher, DN, who, while he played at Youngstown State, I think um, has something to prove. I don't think playing against FCS competition is going to hold him back. You know, Bill Belichick can build guys that you ordinarily wouldn't think would be playmakers into playmakers. And to get someone that can show that he rushes the passer well, bodes well for the Patriots. I think they've had a stunning offseason, especially when you think of, okay, out of all the players in the first round that were available at that time when the Saints were picking, I like Brandon Cooks better than just about all of them. And that's who we got for our first round pick this year. That's true. That's true. I can agree with that. I mean, Ruben Foster would have been really – oh, you're right. The Saints couldn't get him, though. You're One right. pick too late. You're right. You're right. So you're, you're, that's, that's, that's a good – I like it. I know there's one guy that you wish you would have had that seems real Patriots-like uh, that's on the Carolina Panthers. Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey. You're mad, Kari. Admit it, dog. We going to the Super Bowl riding my boy Christian McCaffrey. He's going to lead the league in all-purpose yards straight up. Y'all can keep Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Go ahead. Ride him to the Super Bowl. I want you to. I'm rooting for Christian McCaffrey. I want you to be right. I don't think you'll be right. Oh, God. I'm, I'm saving this. We're going to play it back for you when we're in the Super Bowl. This is just another thing. No, Theo, all you got to say is we just Please. we're going to prove him wrong. We're going to prove them wrong. What is, is that what Deshaun Watson says? Or what is That's this right. You just, you just show them all what it's about and prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> is that what Cam said after the Broncos blew him out? I don't want to hear it. All right. Y'all almost got <laughs> smashed by the Falcons. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, as she said, <laughs> Alex, thank you so much uh, for joining us, especially on such short notice. Um, thank you for having me. Of course. Kari, uh, get your mind right. And don't be too jealous that we have Christian McCaffrey. Okay, you can have Christian McCaffrey. I'll take my five Super Bowl rings with Tom Brady. Oh God, he here he goes. And and for the for the <laughs> listeners, thank y'all so much for for tuning in and listening to yet another episode of Wild Card Wednesdays. And we'll bring another one to you next week. Shane is coming back. The whole team will be back in town, and we might just bring another special guest on. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>